This is Laura Whitmore with the She Rocks podcast, and today I'm talking to Jewel. Um, so I wanted to chat about your song for the new Johnny Cash Forever Words album, and uh, I love what you did with the song. Were, did they bring the lyrics to you, or did you get to you know look through what they had, and how did that come about? Yeah, John Carter came to me quite a while ago with, uh, he had selected two of his dad's works. Um, and so those are the two I worked with. Oh, you did two songs. I didn't realize that. That's yeah, this great. is the second Forever Words uh, project. And so I'm pretty sure if you Google, you know, you'll see that first CD and you'll hear yeah. the first one was a love song. Oh, that's cool. Very different. So di- very different. Yeah. 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 So what resonated with you about this song? Does anybody out there love me? Both lyrics were very, um, you know, the first lyric for the love song was very poetic and very tender and and really sort of surprised. I don't think I had seen that style of writing from uh, Johnny Cash. And so I really enjoyed doing that. This lyric felt much more classic Johnny Cash. So I love both. Um, But obviously addiction um, self-worth, mm. self-love are huge themes of Johnny's life. You know, I got to portray his wife in a Lifetime movie and came even closer to the story. Um, it was actually based on John Carter Cash's uh, book on his mom, the autobiography on his mm. mother. Um, and so I felt like this song just really summed that up. And I just think it's a theme everybody relates to, whether you've been an addict or not. Like, we all struggle to go, does anybody love me or failing sense of self-worth is at epidemic proportions and i like that this song addressed that yeah i mean i think it does feel like this very intimate like peering into (laughs) you know somebody's you know mind of hey you know is it going to be okay yeah i think we all have these mental you know mental health moments where Again, no matter whether we have addiction or not, there's not a single person alive that hasn't felt sad, isolated, alone, and beyond love. And then trying to say, this isn't real, this isn't the truth, it's just a feeling, it's passing, you know. Did you, so, I mean, it's really interesting to do this sort of posthumous project. Like, did you read the words and wonder, you know, what was he feeling? What was he going through when he put these to paper i mean i think the lyrics are super plain you know there's not a lot of mystery to me (laughs) about (laughs) what he was going through especially when you know some of his life story struggled with addiction his whole life um and feeling of worthiness and lovable and all those things that any addict feels so yeah i don't think it was a mystery it wasn't it definitely didn't make me go i wonder what he was thinking i feel like okay (laughs) this is what he was thinking (laughs) Right. And the, the style of the song is like very, um, I guess it's tradi- more traditional cash, I guess. Um, so were you just trying to channel him um, when you were, when you put it together? Not particularly. You know, the song, it was a dark lyric and I wanted it to have this. To me, what that lyric was, was tremendous amount of anxiety, a uh, tremendous amount of darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had that feeling where you can't sit still because of your anxiety. And it finally hits sort of this critical pitch. And so I wrote it on acoustic guitar, not being like, Oh, I want to sound like Johnny. It's more just, I want to try and embody that restless feeling. Mm-hmm. 
And how do I get it to come to this critical sort of fever pitch and break? Um, So that's all I was trying to do. And I I think there's not many ways to do that. You know, you're working in a minor key. You're working with the sort of driving rhythm. um, And then you want it to climax somewhere. You know, I looked at it like a fever, you know, like I'm sick. You get more and more sick and then you get a fever finally and the fever breaks. So that's kind of how I faced it. (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Okay. Well, I mean, I really like the song. I think it's I think the whole project is really cool. And and I love that, you know, his family are, you know, still trying to take, you know, his sort of genius and and share it in new ways. So that was a great project. What a great idea, you know, to just all these scraps. And, you know, if I remember right, these were just, you know, scraps, random lyrics written here and there that John Carter collected. It was a, a great idea of how to use them. Yeah, very cool. Do you do you have that? Do you have like the, a massive catalog of scraps of ideas? Holy smokes, a bajillion, you know, a billion <laughs> little voice memos. I think Yeah. The good news and the bad news is it's all digital, so it's not the same, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's cool to see his handwriting, you know, and that these are just pieces of paper they have the presence right. of mind to not throw away. I don't know if I'd want somebody going through my little scraps of ideas and <laughs> putting them out to the world <laughs> that's where it's nice where it's your son you know it's like i'm sure he has lots of stuff that you know yes, never see the light of day yeah right. <laughs> like, this feels right okay <laughs> yeah we'll keep well, this in awesome. the way yeah yeah um i i wanted to add, i'm sort of wondering if this relates to you I, I saw i was doing a little research about um you know, um, your Never Broken project and some of the other work that you do around anxiety and, you know, sort of calming the soul. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of your other projects around that? Yeah, I moved out when I was 15. I grew up in an abusive household. I knew statistically kids like me and the repeating cycle and I wanted to break it you know I was very clear that that was my goal when I was 15 Mm -hmm. and did pretty good until I refused having sex with the boss when I was 18 and he wouldn't give me my paycheck and so I couldn't pay my rent I started living in my car and was stealing a lot was having panic attacks was becoming agoraphobic and I realized, okay, I was a statistic I was a homeless kid shoplifting you know it doesn't Mm -hmm. become that's a statistic And I realized like that was kind of a now or never moment. Like I was either going to figure things out and it was all within my mind. You know, it was really, there was this Buddha quote that came to mind of happiness doesn't depend on who you are or what you have. It depends on what you think. And so I put all my focus inward. What am I thinking? Why am I thinking it? Hmm. Can I think something differently? And so everything I did during that year being homeless was what you today would call mindfulness. But that word didn't exist at the time. It was using curiosity and observation to say, what is my body feeling? Why am I anxious? If I'm anxious, what if it's like food poisoning? You know, if you're throwing up, you ate something bad. So what if my anxiety Mm -hmm. is my body's way of saying you just consumed something that does not agree with you? And then taking notes. What was I just thinking, feeling or doing? Oh, I'm starting to see a pattern. All these things make me feel anxious. All these other things make me feel open and relaxed. Oh, wait, there's only two basic states of being, dilated and contracted. Hmm. Every thought or feeling leads to one of those two things. It was just this tremendous year of self-discovery. And I wrote 
I wrote my way out of it, you know. Um, that was why I wrote Hands. That's why I wrote Who Will Save Your Soul. That's why I wrote mm. Little Sister. That's why I wrote Pieces of You. Um, as well as developing at the exact same time all these exercises um, to see if I could rewire myself. And it worked. Not only did I get a career out of it, which was like yeah. an accident. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not why I started writing. I wrote so I wouldn't kill myself. I wrote wow. so I could get my my anxiety to a manageable level. I wrote because I didn't want to kill myself. And so then you got to go, now what? Yeah. I can't keep doing what I've been doing because it makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> wow. That's a problem. And so mental That's health for me has always been, you know, my number one thing of like, if I wasn't taught happiness, am I screwed? Am I screwed at 15? Am I screwed at 18? Am I screwed at 46? Or can I learn happiness? And is it a teachable skill? And so my music was an extension of that, but it was just one arm of that quest. It turns out that all those exercises I developed actually do rewire your brain. And we have been able to use them successfully for 18 years with at-risk youth that don't have therapists, don't have traditional support groups to shocking results. Um, 99% of our kids earn their own scholarships. 95% of them are Ivy League. They're the number two tennis organization in the country. And that's all the same thing my career was. It was an accidental side effect of learning how to be happy, learning how to find your own greatness, learning how to let go of anger. And then these side effects happen, you know. The goal isn't college scholarships. It just is the side effects the same way Hmm. fruit is the side effect of a tree growing well. Right. It's so interesting. I mean, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to, to sort of be able to start that journey and figure out, figure out those things. I mean, I think most people, probably 99% of people on the planet never, never do that. Yeah. And that's a shame it's a shame that in school we're not taught Mm. the foundational gateway to success, which is, are you happy? (laughs) I know so many famous successful people in business that are so unhappy. We can't actually call it success. And we have emotions and feelings because we have a little computer locked in a dark box in our skull. And it experiences the world through our senses. It does not experience the world through math. It does not right. experience the world through English. So we are skipping over the way our computer processes things. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I guess you could say we're one of the smartest animals, but where has it gotten us? Like, is it progress if we're not happy? Is it progress if we're killing ourselves It historical rates which by the way we are so we really have to look at our educational system that's why i developed the i put this curriculum into a language arts curriculum you know that Hmm. meets all the core standards it's an english class like it's a language arts program but it includes observation curiosity all of the social emotional as well as mindfulness tools Because what are we doing otherwise? Like, why are we teaching our kids these things to help them go make money but kill themselves? Yeah. Yeah, it's very out of balance. Um, 
So is that is that um, that can be found on, at the Never Broken website, or how can people find out more about that? Yeah, um, for the curriculum. Because I want to find out more for my kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, the the curriculum. It's very hard to scale curriculum because every school board is independent, right? There's no nationalized thing other than we have core standards. Um, so I would say for the curriculum to probably email us to get more information. And that's mm-hmm. at jewel at never, oh, I got to look it up. I'm so <laughs> dyslexic. <laughs> so I just don't trust myself with email addresses. Um, yeah. Manager at jewel never broken.com. Okay. Awesome. Would be the email about that. And then for the, just the curriculum, like broken down into simple, practicable things, we developed the jewelneverbroken.com website. Okay. It's free. You know, you don't have to pay for it. I just did it as a extension of my nonprofit. Um, right. Just so that everybody could get access to like, hey, I'd like to learn more. Maybe just a simple breathing exercise or, you know, we have to train our mind to see the good things that are happening that's important because it affects our experience of our day. That's important Mm -hmm. because that gets us in a position to do something different. And so simple things like a gratitude practice is sort of explains the science behind it um, and what practicing it does. And you can get simple things like that on that website. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, you know, it's about shifting perspective too. Right. So yeah, and that's so, not just so like important. sort of the hippie new age feel good thing of like, I don't have to make my days better, better. It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It actually has to be this very rooted thing because, you know, both things are true. The glass is half full and half empty. Yeah. Yeah. It, wishing it so isn't what makes that powerful. It's that you kind of have to get yourself in a position emotionally and mentally have the energy to do something different today. And you can really only do that if you're having a better experience of your day. Uh, When you're having a really bad experience, you miss a lot of doors that you could walk through because you're so busy being bummed, you know? Yeah, true, true. So I want to talk about, um, it's the, you know, 2020 mark, the 25th anniversary of Pieces of You. Like, what do you think now when you look back at, at that? Um, I think the thing that has struck me the most is that I don't know how many words are on that album. Let's call it a thousand words changed my life's trajectory. Mm. That's wild that we're all a thousand words away from changing our, our trajectory entirely. Now there was a lot of work, you know, a lot of things went into helping that succeed but it basically was like, wow, a thousand words changed my life. Yeah, I shouldn't wow. have accomplished what I've accomplished. I, I, you know, how do you go from a homestead to here? Wow. That was a thousand words. That's interesting. I think there's a lots of things that happen in our lives that are sort of pivotal that at the time we're not, we have no idea. Yeah. That yeah. same thing with like refusing the advances of the boss that mm. seemed like it was going to put me in a dire position and it did. But yeah. what if it? What if I never got fired, or what if right. I did sleep with them, or what if he never propositioned me? All my energy was going into a dead end job that left me so exhausted. At the end of the day, I never wrote. Right. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So you just never know. I think every time you invest in your character, it's like this bank account. I'm going to invest in my character. I'm going to invest in my belief in myself. I'm not going to compromise my values, no matter how dire it seems. Because I really have seen if you keep investing in that little bank account in your character, it pays dividends that are so shocking. You never would have realized the dividends it's going to pay. I didn't, I couldn't predict it. Right, right. I sort of feel that way about just putting like goodness and kindness and helping other people out into the world because that comes back to you in ways that you never would imagine. It's true. It's like a spiritual bank account. You know, I guess you might call it karma, but it's much more, it feels much more um, uh, physical than that. You know, you start to be like, oh, wow, this is building dividends in my life. Yeah. Even just for yourself feeling like I did something nice for somebody. It's it's a good feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, I also... uh, I also checked out your little tribute to Dolly Parton on her birthday that was on your Facebook page. And I I just wanted to chat for a minute about your experience with Dolly because I, I just love her, too. And um, I thought the way you told the story, like you have such a great way of painting a picture of what it was like to be with her. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I wrote a song called My Father's Daughter and just really wanted to have her sing on that with me um and she was gracious enough to accept and she was everything you would ever hope for uh and more she's such a little dynamo (laughs) i'm glad she's getting the attention that she's getting because she deserves it and you think about the time that she did it you know my favorite leaders are not martyred you know they're not out there going it was so hard my day to overcome Dolly's never said a thing like that, but you know that woman's overcome some stuff. I'd love to hear some of her stories, you know. And she did it with grace, with grit, with intelligence. Um, Her business acumen, like the more you learn about her, you know, buying a property on Music Row and not selling or publishing, you know, just Mm -hmm. to have a hit. Like you talk about a woman that invested in herself and went, no, I'm smart. I'm worth it. I have the talent to back this up. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's all awesome. And I think just And I think that was missing. This is controversial to say, but I think that's what was missing in the Me Too movement was female accountability. Look, Mm. we've all been leveraged. It's no good. It's not fun. But if you believe in yourself, tell Mm. them to F off and go make your own way. You know, like there is that option. Rape aside, you know, all those, you know, extreme, extreme things aside, you know, you, you can say F off. And even if that means quitting your job, you know, and I think Dolly's just a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's definitely a great role model to, uh, to learn more about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think I only have like a minute left. Um, Can you share, is there anything that you have coming up that you'd like people to know about? Yeah, I have a new album out coming soon. It has more of a soul, muscle, shoals vibe. And you can sort of hear the vibe. There's two songs out right now called No More Tears. Mm -hmm. And Grateful. Great. Awesome. Well, I'll have people check in on your website and your socials to uh, find out more. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great to chat with you. you. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.